My name is Rick Marnansky, along with Scott Whitey and Anne-Marie Benz. We uh, help run this event. We love volunteers, both to help us run the show, as well as to get up on this stage, drink a little bit of alcohol, and teach everyone in the audience uh, what we do. So be sure to track one of the three of us down if you're interested in doing any of that. Our entire business model is built around that. That's the, that's the bar back there. Um, Please buy drinks, please tip your bartenders. Uh, it goes better for both of us. And to soak up some of that alcohol, we have Mr. Arpeter in back. Uh, it's still quite a line, so it should seem pretty popular. And uh, we also have the Oakland Public Library here. If you do not have an Oakland Public Library card, you should get one. Anyone who's a resident of California is going to get one. You don't have to be an Oakland person. Um, really great list. They have good online resources. I listen to all of their audiobooks. And next month, they have uh, Bike Month. So they have an entire month of different bike-related events happening in the library, so be sure to check it out. We have a really great show tonight. We have three 20-ish minute talks um, about law in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's no spoilers, though. Um, about making heavy elements, about the history of hip-hop in California. We always kick off these talks with a, an introduction to um, take you guys in the mood. Um, so be sure to heckle me. Only clap for the presenters. Um, yeah, that's what I. Uh, I love this event. Um, so our next present presenter, Jeff Gillan, has done a number of law and popular culture talks. He was a crowd favorite here when he presented on Star Wars Law. Today he's presenting on Law of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But, you know, superheroes have been in court for quite some time. So this is Wonder Man, looking up a nice airplane. Um, how many of you have heard of Wonder Man? Not very many people. Um, perhaps that's because after Wonder Man issue number one, this was the only Wonder Man issue that came out, um, DC and Superman sued his ass. They said, hey, each of these comics is the champion of the oppressed. Go figure, it's a comic. Each is able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Um, I'm missing half my slides, there we go. Um, and, and so each is able to resist these bullets and stuff. So that's, uh, I mean, a good enough evidence for me, I guess. Um, and it was also good enough evidence for uh, the folks at Marvel because now he's now uh, he's dead. Um, better fate than uh, than became of Shazam. So Shazam, new movie that's out, it's actually not bad. Um, but Shazam used to not be a DC property. DC sued the makers of Shazam, saying that's way too much like our property. Um, so we'll, we'll just have that. Thank you. Um, but even our superheroes have been in court too. Um, Superman apparently killed this girl's daddy. I think he got off. Um, Hulk had to um, stand up to justice when he was about to be sentenced. And uh, Batman had a couple of, of cases in court. One, uh, apparently a jury of his peers, it was probably not a jury full of jokers that would kind of suck. Um, but two, um, I, love, I love the conclusion of these comics, um, which they give away on the covers of the comics. Uh, Your Honor, Batman's actually a robot, and I approve. 
Um, we also have uh, comic uh, heroes that are themselves lawyers. Of course, uh, Daredevil, uh, which up until recently was on Netflix. Fuck you, Netflix. Um, Harvey Dent. Uh, not all all the lawyers are good. Harvey Dent in, in Batman is Two Face. Um, the women get in the act with She-Hulk, fine attorney. But I also like the lesser known uh, superheroes. So I think my favorite is Mr. District Attorney, which is showing up somewhere. I know Kino very well. Cool, just move on to the next one. So Wolf and Byer also are uh, hilarious. Um, they basically represent all of the movie foes, such as Frankenstein and Dracula, and uh, they cover such cases as copyright infringement. A nice nod to Superman, perhaps. And it says, uh, beware of the creatures of the night, they have lawyers. <laughs> Please welcome to stage um, someone who is not a comic lawyer, but an actual lawyer. Josh Gilliland is celebrating 10 years of Bowtie Law, and he's here to talk about Infinity Law, the law of Marvel Cinematic Universe. Hello, my name is Joshua Gilliland, and like many people in this room, I still believe in heroes. My favorite Marvel movies are Thor Ragnarok and Captain America Civil War, because it's what heroes do, and I'm with you to the end of the line, are good ways to live. Now let's take a look at some of the legal issues that we have seen over the past 10 years from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. First up, Captain America Civil War. And Kino, come back. Damn you, Kino. Why? Okay. So, are the Sokovia Accords constitutional? And let's talk about that, because if you've seen Captain America Civil War and None of the slides are working, so I'm a little upset about that. Get to work. Now, for those who remember from the movie, the Sokovia Accords require anyone with superpowers to sign away their rights, saying that if we use our powers, we will do so in, in, uh, as prescribed by the United Nations. And if we don't sign on the accords and we use our powers, we can get sent to prison. Now, there are a couple problems with that, because here are the accords, and this is something that sounds a lot like indentured servitude based upon somebody's abilities. Very problematic. The other part of this that's dangerous is, I don't think anyone took a con law class who wrote the story, because they talk about all of these countries ratifying, you know, signing to these accords, but they leave out a key element. The United States Senate. It takes a two-thirds vote for a treaty to become effective. That means it's like our law. However, if we have a treaty that violates our laws, that can't become our law. That's like saying, all right, this law requires everyone of Irish descent to become farmers or engineers, and if you don't do that, you're going to jail. No. 
doesn't work like that. So something that's challenging. Now the other part of this is bad is it's a giant constitutional nightmare when someone breaks the law because somehow they magically built a giant submarine prison where they keep people. And there's something funny about this. There's no lawyers or judges. People are taken into custody and dropped off on a giant prison ship. So problems with that. Rid of habeas corpus. If you get brought into custody, you get to go before a judge. They skip that. Other part of this, the Fourth Amendment protects you from arbitrary arrests. Next part, Fifth Amendment, due process, not present when you're taken and put on a giant submarine that submerges and you never get to see anyone again. Other thing, that right to counsel, that pesky thing where lawyers get to defend you. Now we have a large body of case law from the 1930s up through the you know, beginning of the 60s that give us this right to counsel because it's in the Constitution. Because the state can't prosecute people without those who are being accused having the right to an attorney. It's side issue with this. Ant-Man and Hawkeye allegedly are on house arrest for a couple years as part of a plea deal. Did they have attorneys? Were there judges present in, to, in order to ratify those plea deals? I don't think so, which would make those plea deals invalid. And of course the big one, the Eighth Amendment. There's a reason we don't have prison ships in our country. During the Revolutionary War, the British put American POWs on prison ships and they were a descent into hell. Over 11,500 Revolutionary War heroes died on those things. When we think of the Eighth Amendment, it's because of those prison ships. There's a reason why we've never even toyed with the concept because there's a large body count from those who died at the hands of the British. So let's talk about a fun issue. Spider-Man's a minor. Tony Stark takes Spider-Man to Germany to fight the greatest soldier that ever lived and to Titan to fight the most dangerous alien of all time. There's some problems with that. First off, there's child endangerment and contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Now Peter is with Tony because of a school internship. If you are employing a child to do things that break the law, such as being a vigilante, or do things that could endanger the life of that child, you're contributing to the delinquency of the child, and that's not okay. Now, the other thing that's a problem, Peter doesn't have a passport yet, and he doesn't get permission from Aunt May. Now, what would that look like? What could that possibly look like when you think about it? So we're going to go take on Captain America, uh, Falcon, the guy who can fly, Scarlet Witch who can manipulate reality, and Hawkeye is an expert shot, and Ant-Man. What could possibly go wrong with that that maybe a guardian or parent wouldn't be cool with signing? So Aunt May has a pretty good action against Tony for taking Pete to get beat up in Germany. So let's talk about abandoned property. So the back one. It's a little weird slide to disappear. So Guardians of the Galaxy, the movie that taught me it's okay to love again. 
movie has Peter Quill, Star-Lord, exploring Morag in a very Raiders of the Lost Ark type adventure to find the Power Stone. Now, is it his? Well, I think so. Because property is about a bundle of sticks and being able to control that bundle of sticks. That's the old case law description of property. Well, abandoned property is abandoned. That means nobody claims ownership to it. So going to an abandoned planet where everything's abandoned, it's all free game at that point. So Quill was in his absolute right to take that because no one had possession or control of the Infinity Stone. So it's funny that the lawyer would love the movie about the Doctor superhero. But it's because the Doctor Superhero first gains his superpowers by reading, so yes. The other part of this is he saves the world with contract law. I literally cheered when Doctor Strange says, Doramu, I've come here to bargain. I cheered. My ex-girlfriend looked at me like that was weird. Reason that didn't work out. So, this is how it works. Offer acceptance consideration are the basic terms of a uh, contract. Now, there's something called third-party beneficiary contracts. So, Casalis, who is the zealot, who's the bad guy, and he's running around with his henchman, and he wants to bring Dormammu, and I've always had a tough time saying that name, uh, to Earth and bring hell with him. Funny thing happens with the deal that Strange offers. I will end the time loop if you take the zealots and leave Earth forever. Well, that's exactly what Casalis wants. He wants to go be with the one. So does that make him a third-party beneficiary? And under the ancient rules of contract law, yes. Come back. Slides. So yes, yes it does. Because going back to case law from the 1840s, it absolutely does. So it's the red one. Yeah, that one. There we go. So where one person makes a promise for the benefit of the third person, the third person may maintain an action to enforce that pro uh, promise. So yes, absolutely he's a third party beneficiary, but because he didn't read the warning labels, he's really not going to like what happens to him. Let's talk about Thor Ragnarok. So Asgard's destroyed at the end of it. Hela tries to murder most of the Asgardians. There's only a handful left. Would they be refugees under international law? If they came to the United States for a port of entry and said, help us, well, the answer is yes, because they look Norwegian. However, <laughs> Oh, there's more. Uh, however, they could show that an emergency refugee status could be given to them because their home world's destroyed and they want some place to go because they're homeless at this point in time. Now, they might want to go to Norway right now, perhaps until January 2021, things should be okay by then. But in the meantime, settling in Norway is probably a better choice. But how many people here saw Captain Marvel? Really? No, no fans of Carol? 
But there's a great issue there with, does this apply to scrolls? If we determine that there's a scroll caravan coming from deep space, and it's going to land in Wisconsin, and they're going to try to adversely possess our vacation lake houses, are they refugees, or could we shoot the bastards out of the sky? Because we don't like their kind. They're green. They're going to come here, and they're going to change their demographics, and I didn't vote for that. If some of you have that view, um, here's my advice to you. Grow with salt. Uh, yeah, they're refugees because the creator tried to murder them. Being afraid of being murdered, whether it's a beheading or nuclear weapons being dropped on Popa, means you are fearing for your life. Now, if somebody has a problem with that, take it up with the mother of exiles. She's the big green statue on Ellis Island. Now, if you think, hey, I don't like them, and if you say that they can come here, I want to make them terrified. So why don't, you know, the clear blue, so if I wear a blue hood and try terrorizing them in the middle of the night, is that okay? No. Lady Justice will stale slap you for being a racist bigot committing hate crimes. So no, they're refugees, we're Americans, we are the good guys in the story. And when someone is fearing for their lives and they're oppressed, they come here because it's what we do. Because, damn it, we're the heroes of the story, not the villains. But that's just me. And that in no way relates to real life. So, because who would sound like a comic book bad guy in government? Really? Well, let's talk about the end of Infinity Law, uh, Infinity War. Now, last year at this time, there were children going home in tears after Infinity War, and because uh, they got to see their favorite heroes die. And if you haven't seen Endgame yet, there's no spoilers here other than it's a beautiful film and film. There's a reason why it just made the most money ever. So, but when you look at half of all life dying, that's going to be a nightmare to deal with. So this is why it's really, really, really important to have a will. So, this is what I had to learn in law school. If you die without a will in a community property state like California, and you're married, that's the flow chart to figure out who gets what. I can't break this up because this is everything that works together. Now, if you die without a spouse, it's equally terrifying. Come on, little guy. Sorry. So, that's the flow chart. Now, I'm going to read it. I post that on a blog. If you need to go take the bar or have a community property exam coming up with the states and wills and trusts, check this out. But yeah, that's a nightmare. So thinking about half of all life dying, is it proportional? That's what we didn't know at the end of Infinity War. Did everybody in San Francisco die? Is Bakersfield okay? How did this balance out? And if you see that game, you get an idea of how this balances out. But let's, let's make this local. 
Let's take a look at San Francisco with a population of over 870,000. There are 52 judges and there are several vacancies right now. There are just two probate judges. Each probate judge averages about 40 cases a day. So that means countywide there's 80 probate cases a day, which means uh, in a month, counting 22 active court days, over 1,760 probate cases go through the system each month. Well, after the... <laughs> oh, it gets bad. Over 435,000 new probate cases on one day. Now, there are problems with that because there's that would break the court system. And we don't know how many judges are left. If both probate judges are dead, we just might roll over and go, hell. It's also an issue of whether or not society can get back up after taking a hit that massive. What happens to everyone across the planet who are missing people? And it's not like there are bodies, which means getting death certificates is a bitch. <laughs> Do you have to wait seven years and that way all the people who have vanished can be declared dead because they've been missing seven years? So are you just in limbo for the amount of time that elapses between Infinity Wars and Endgame? Maybe. Well, let's talk about something that I think is important. How to prosecute families. Now, I believe in the rule of law. Someone who murders half of all life commits what lawyers would call genocide. <laughs> now, we've dealt with bad guys before, and no, don't get me wrong, I can sleep at night knowing Bin Laden didn't get a trial, even though I wanted that SOB to be put on trial for what he did. But the fact that he got carried out in a body bag doesn't bother me. I still did want that trial, though. Which then brings us to being able to talk about how we would legally handle prosecuting Thanos. Because Thanos did a lot of bad things. Well, luckily we have experience with this, which is sad but useful. We had a lot of prep time leading up to the end of World War II. There was the London Charter, there was the Moscow Proclamation, all of which uh, formed what would eventually be the Nuremberg War Crimes, War Crimes Trial. The trials were going to be four judge tribunals hearing these cases. And there's an entire metrics for this is how this is set up. Now, Thanos could be prosecuted with a whole bunch of crimes crimes against peace, war crimes for killing civilians. And he goes to planets and just kills half of them because that's what he does. And then crimes against humanity, just wiping out populations with inhumane acts. Yeah. When you kill half a city's population and you make the kids watch, that's inhumane. We don't tolerate that. Now, why would a trial be important? Well, all of those men had either above average IQs or genius level IQs. They were the engineers of Hitler's final solution to the Jewish question. They also decided to target anyone else they found was undesirable and didn't deserve to live for their 1,000-year Reich. Now, 
Senator Robert Taft, the son of the former president and uh, chief justice of the United States Supreme Court, was, was an isolationist. And he was fond of all of those guys that had just been taken behind a barn and shot. That was the way we did it in the 19th century and every other war before. We never put people on trial for the massive crimes that were committed. And we did. Now, that is United States Supreme Court Justice Robert Jackson. He took leave from the court in order to be the chief prosecutor of the Nuremberg War Crimes Trial for the United States. Uh, Justice Jackson's opening statement took a two full two days. It's a damn powerful statement to read. And here's a clip because we don't have two days to read all of it. Civilization asked whether laws so laggard as to be utterly helpless to deal with crimes of this magnitude committed by criminal, excuse me, crimes of this magnitude by criminals of this order of importance. It does not expect that you can make war impossible. It does expect that your judicial action will put the force of, inter of international law, its precepts, its prohibitions, and most of all, its sanctions on the side of peace, so that men and women of goodwill in all countries may have leave to live by no man's leave underneath the law. We've prosecuted monsters before. Which, in the Marvel Universe, would make sense to treat Thanos that way? Now, it's problematic given the universe and coming up with a judicial proceeding that would make sense. But just killing him behind the barn isn't necessarily the right option because that's revenge and it's not justice. And that's why we've put everyone who we could catch who was behind 9-11 on trial. We did take out a whole bunch with drones and that doesn't bother me but we've had trials because it's how we work as a civil society. Law is about justice, not exacting revenge. And with that, any questions? <laughs> Woman in the white sweater. Yes, you. Okay, I heard the first part, but not the part where you got to the zealots. Can you say it a little louder? I don't think so because they were. To repeat the question, are the third are the zealots third party unintended third party beneficiaries because they're not exactly named? I maybe. Casamus uh, is definitely named, so he's absolutely in that category. As for unintended, the zealots are known, I think they're a known category. Um, they got the dead eye thing going on, so I think it would work, but uh, good question and definitely worth a lot of those. Yes, sir. So the question is, is Captain America government property because of the super soldier serum? No, 
Um, that's indentured servitude. So the fact that people volunteer for medical experiments doesn't mean that they sign away their civil rights and civil liberties. Moreover, his, uh, for those who served in World War II, there was a specific amount of time that they had to serve. And being in ICE for over 75 years, he passed that. So she gets lots of back pay and she needed to go. Yes, sir, in the green glasses. So if, what is my position on imprisoning people in a, uh, another country indefinitely? Well, a good example could be from the comic book Civil War series where Reed Richards built a secret maximum prison in the negative zone, and the warden for that was the original Captain Marvell. And there are huge civil rights issues with that because they're skipping the entire judicial process, and if you're a US citizen, you get that process because it's what we know, and we don't want situations where the military are holding people indefinitely in faraway places without due process of law. That's how I would look at it, unless they're an enemy combatant, and then things get complicated. But trials are generally a good thing because that's how we function as a society. Yes, ma'am. Thank you.